It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan here bringing you home as uh, we are almost a week away from taking off to Dublin, Ireland, if you can believe that. We've been talking about this game since 2019. Here we are in 2022 and finally the time has come and uh, it's hard to believe. I think a lot of people didn't know we'd, we, if we'd get to this point with everything that's gone on in the world and last year's game being played in Champaign and then the new game being moved to North with Northwestern this year. Uh, but it's going to happen. Uh, we're going to go to Dublin, and I know a lot of people are looking forward to it. They're expecting 10,000 to maybe 12,000 Nebraska fans in Dublin. But the Huskers are working their way through fall camp, and they had a scrimmage this past Saturday They'll hold their second and final major scrimmage of fall camp this upcoming Sunday. So you get two of them. And scrimmage number one, um, and we're going to get some more insight from this. Uh, I talked um, in the show with Kyle Cole Morgan, former Husker player, also now the new host of Beyond the Turf podcast. Uh, Kyle was a starting offensive lineman on the Eric Crouch teams back in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, but he was one of the former players of the scrimmage. And we talked about a lot of things, but um, I think it's clear the defensive guys had an edge in that first scrimmage, particularly up front. Guys like Garrett Nelson, O'Shawn Mathis, Caleb Tanner, Blaze Gunnarsson. Uh, that group really had their way at times with the offensive line. And, um, you know, I think that's going to be something to watch. Turner Corcoran continues to battle um, an unknown injury where he's been held out of camp really for all, all of this week. Um, so hopefully Turner can be back out there for this next scrimmage because he needs those live game reps. And then Teddy Prohaska is coming off that knee injury, and there's a lot of rust there. I really believe that. And um, Teddy needs live action, period. And going against O'Shawn and Garrett, that's going to make him better. But these guys are good players. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think Nebraska's defensive front could be one of the more surprised units on this team in terms of production and what they put up. I think people expected this group to be better than a year ago, even with the departures. But I think O'Shawn and Garrett give Nebraska a true pass rushing duo and Caleb Tanner and Blaze Gunnerson. They have depth. Um, Stefan Wynn, Nash Hutmacher, uh, Colton Feast, Ty Robinson. And then Nebraska got another key piece of the defensive line back this week in Lincoln. Uh, Nebraska was able to get uh, Devin Drew on campus he was at practice on Wednesday, um, had a helmet on. He can't wear pads yet. Uh, he's got to acclimate this week, but that's a good thing. Now they get him here. The question is, how far away is he? And we've seen this over the years when guys come. Some guys, when they get here, they're nowhere near playing ready. Not, not, nowhere near. Juco guys, whatever. Then there's the rare occasions of a Randy Gregory. They literally showed up on fan photo day. They grabbed a jersey from Jay Terry, went out to practice, and led the Big Ten in sacks that year as a, as a rookie player that 
didn't lift a weight in Lincoln all summer. You get guys like Maurice Washington who showed up basically on fan photo day, grabbed a jersey and had electric plays immediately as a freshman. You get another another example is Levante David. He came in, fan photo day in August, no training in Lincoln, no dieting in Lincoln. He led the Big 12 in tackles. So it can be done. You can have productive guys that miss the summer or miss some of practice, but it's rare. I mean, you can count them on one hand. I just went through three of them right there, and there aren't very many more than that. Um, is Devin Drew that good? I don't, I don't know. Um, but I think if you could get 10, 12 snaps game one, that's probably a realistic number. I, I don't know if he's going to take much more than that. Um, the key is how quick is he, how good is he with his hands, and can he help Nebraska up front? Because this is going to be a physical game. Northwestern, they're going to want to run the ball. They got the best left tackle in the Big Ten and arguably college football, um, and they've got an all-Big Ten caliber running back camp order. So you know this is going to be a game in the trenches. It's going to be a game – where Northwestern's going to try to get four to six yards on runs and slow it down. And because last year they got into a track meet with Nebraska and they got whooped. It was the worst loss in Pat Fitzgerald's coaching career. There's no way Pat Fitzgerald is going to let this game get into a shootout. Uh, he's going to try to slow it down. And I think the running game, the physicality of Nebraska's front, the depth of their front will be the difference in this game. They've got to play at a high level up front. And then on the flip side, can Nebraska's offensive line get it figured out? I think Donovan Raiola, of all the coaches right now, has the toughest job to get this unit, this team ready to go out to Dublin, Ireland. I think the Turner Corcoran missing a week of practice has been a setback. Um, you have Brant Bank, Banks at left guard. You got Prohaska shaking off rust. Um, they've got to get it going. Uh, the reports I've heard, though, on Bryce Benhart are very good. I think that's a positive that Bryce Benhart has had a respectable camp, and I do think they got running backs. I think Anthony Grant is going to be a player. We heard from Anthony Grant on this show last week. A great young man. He's going to be, I think, um, one of the key backs. I'm so intrigued about Gabe Irvin. He looks bigger. He looks stronger. What will Nebraska get out of Gabe Irvin here in this game? Uh, that's another thing I'm going to watch really, really closely. Uh, but in general, uh, the, the offensive staff um, and the coaches have been very critical of this group. Um, on Wednesday, Mark Whipple was upset. Mickey Joseph was upset. Uh, the wide receivers, for as much hype as that group has gotten in the offseason, um, they have not been praised much, and it, it's kind of by design. Mickey Joseph said he wanted to get it out there through the media that he was upset at his guys, and he did, and they've responded. Um, but you know, he, he kind of called out Omar Manning and, said, yeah, Omar finally practiced two days in a row. Omar's been battling a nick, nick and a bruise and has not been able to practice consistently. Um, and he's challenging Omar Manning. Trey Palmer was out with sickness on Wednesday. Um, Decolas Crawford got hurt Saturday. We don't know the status on that one. Doesn't sound good, though. Uh, Mickey Joseph didn't want to delve into that, um, so that was a question for the trainers. So uh, we'll see on Decolas Crawford and kind of where he's at in the big picture of things. Uh, but Casey Thompson, I think he's been a real positive for Nebraska. Um, sounds like he's throwing it really well. He's gaining some respect and trust of his team. And he's taking his game up a notch, and that's the key. You can talk a big game, but if you can't back it up, it's hard to get respect. I think Casey Thompson, if he continues to improve and plays at a high level, that's how he'll gain the trust and respect of this football team. And I think he's had a good August. Scott Frost made an interesting comment Friday. He said, 
yep, the job is his to lose, and more or less said he's the guy. And that was as far out as Scott Frost has gone in anointing Casey Thompson. Um, he's always been high on Casey Thompson um, or, you know, optimistic. But I thought Friday was a real turn that, yep, this is the guy. Yeah, Chubba Purdy's getting reps of the ones, uh, but I think there's a gap there. I think Chubba Purdy is the number two. Uh, Logan Smothers is a good athlete. I just don't know if he's got the arm talent to play consistently in a pro offense by Mark Whipple. And we got to watch Mark Whipple the last two weeks um, for, you know, 30-minute periods. And it's interesting just watching his style. I mean, he's a true pro. This is a guy that's been in the NFL. He's coached some Pro Bowls. He's coached Roethlisberger. He's been around some great ones over his career. And he just has a professional manner about how he's on that field. Um, there's no clowning around. I mean, he's a, he's a pro's pro. And um, I'll be curious um, how that all works. Scott Frost said, this is Whip's show. And it was quite a statement compared to what he said at Big Ten Media Days. Scott Frost said in Big Ten Media Days, I'm still going to be heavily involved in this offense and have an input. Well, this past Friday, um, he said, this is Whip's show, and I'm going to step back. And, you know, the practice that we got to see on Wednesday, that was the case. Scott Frost was walking around, talking to people, you know, a walk-around head coach. And I think of all the things he's done in his coaching career, this has probably been one of the hardest things he's ever done. Ever since he's been a boy, he or his family have always called the plays between his parents when they were coaches and himself as a coach. He's always used to kind of being the quarterback or the play caller or having obviously his family call the plays. And for him now to step back and not be the primary play caller when he's done it pretty well over his career, um, that's got to be an adjustment. But that's why he brought Mark Whipple in. And I think that will be ultimately something very interesting to watch here, um, how that comes together early on. How's Northwestern preparing for Nebraska? What's this system going to look like? Um, you know, is it going to be more of what Pitt did, or is it going to be a cross of Nebraska and Pitt? Those are things we still don't really have a great read on from Scott Frost. Well, I've got a great show on tap. Got two kind of extended guest interviews. I'm going to talk with Tom Deanhart uh, of Golden Black from Rivals, uh, the Purdue Rivals site. Um, and then from there, Tom worked at Big Ten Network as well. We talk about the Big Ten multimedia rights deal that's going to probably include Fox, as we know, along with CBS and NBC. We'll get Tom's thoughts on that and just what it means big picture for the league. And then Kyle Cole Morgan, as I mentioned, former Husker offensive lineman, now the host of the Beyond the, the Turf podcast. Great podcast. Fun listen. Uh, Kyle was a starter on the um, – Early 2000s, late 90s, Husker offensive lines with Eric Crouch. Uh, Kyle is hilarious, and we talk about the podcast, and we talk about practice because Kyle, honestly, I know and talk to a lot of guys, former players. He knows what's going on, and it's a good conversation with Kyle uh, because there aren't a lot of former Huskers that truly have a feel because you got to live in Lincoln, you got to come to a few practices, and you got to know the coaches and stuff. And Kyle checks all those boxes, so um, you'll enjoy the interview with Kyle. Because he, he's, he's honest. He's not going to sugarcoat it. So that is all next here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online show. We are about a week away before Nebraska takes off for Dublin, Ireland. They'll leave on Monday, the 22nd. Um, and uh, I'll be heading out there, obviously, for the entire week, uh, making our way through camp. Wanted to bring in another good friend of mine, making their way through their own fall camp in Purdue, uh, formerly with the Big Ten Network, also with rivals Tom Deanhart, joining me here on the program. Tom, uh, appreciate you taking a few moments. I know you guys are in the midst of camp as well. Yeah, buddy. Six uh, practices in for Purdue. They're off today. They were in full pads for the first time on Tuesday. They open September 1st, which is a Thursday night. Primetime national TV Fox audience against Penn State. So should be a, a very interesting lid lifter for both of these programs. And you know, so far, so good for, for Purdue, Sean. Um, I guess the big storyline was uh, earlier this week they lost their backup tight end to a season-ending knee injury. Um, Garrett Miller, who really is going to be a big part of this offense this year. So a uh, tough blow for, for Brahms' crew right out of the gate. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk with Tom Deanhard, and you mentioned you guys open on Fox. That takes me to my next question um, about Fox, about the Big Ten media rights deal. Um, that really took the college football world by storm. You worked at one time for the Big Ten Network, so you have a very good feel for all this. What, number one, is your reaction to the Big Ten most likely ending their longstanding relationship with ESPN? Yeah, surprising when you consider the, the longevity of it, like you alluded to there, Sean, going back, what, to ABC to the 70s when ESPN to the 80s. So to have those two parties, I guess, divorced, if you will, is surprising. And all, all the sports fans out there realize we all watch ESPN. And being on that network has a lot of value from a promotional standpoint. And I'm not saying the ESPN is not going to promote or cover the Big Ten, but not to have its brand promoted across all those ESPN platforms. You know, it's going to be a blow to a degree. But again, so you look at the bottom line, what's being reported as far as the money the Big Ten is going to get from its uh, prospective partners and its eye-popping. And still, Sean, what Fox, CBS, uh, NBC and probably the Peacock Network, still a lot of broadcast heft there, too, for the for the conference to be publicized. Yeah, I think everyone's excited about Fox, CBS, NBC. I can tell you, though, one thing that's going to probably rile up fan bases, especially probably older traditionalists, um, is games that are streaming only. Uh, but I know that's <laughs> going to be a part of this. Um, and <laughs> whether it's on the Peacock or Apple TV, there is going to be a Big Ten streaming package, it sounds like. Yeah, I think we all expect it, right? It's coming. It's it's streaming's here. We've been embracing it as a society for several years now, and you know, it's all about the younger people and the next generation of moving forward to the next technology. And and the conferences would be silly not to begin to try to, I guess, work that platform into their broadcast rights and entities. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, and how that that aspect of broadcasting not just the Big Ten, but other leagues, and the NFL continues to evolve here in, in coming years. What do you think, though, of the setup of a Fox Big Noon game, then a two mm – -hmm. I'm, I'm using central time here because we're in central time, but 2.30 CBS, which used to be the SEC's prime window, and then an evening window, whether it's at 6.30 or 7, on NBC following a Notre Dame game that might be played earlier in the afternoon. I mean, that that is – 
you talk about college football lineup for a conference. I mean, there's never been anything like this put together. Yeah, over the air networks too. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be just a great, uh, sadly, window for the conference to be exposed from from what midday until deep in the prime time every Saturday night and. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be great exposure for the conference at very high levels uh, on all the major time slots. So exciting times. The fortunes of Kevin Warren, you know, Sean, have changed a lot just in a couple of years with him being able to help string together this unprecedented TV deal. And, you know, how and days of the conference, the cash register is going to be ringing real soon here, aren't they? Yeah, you think about where Kevin Warren was sitting, and you were talking all the way back in 2020 about everything in the heat of the battle. I mean, it – it was almost over. I mean, it felt like they were going to kind of go in a different direction the way the decision not to play, then saying we're definitely not playing, this is not a decision we're going to come back on. Then you, then they came back on the decision knowing the financial ramifications this league would have forever if this conference didn't play football. And then they had to play essentially a nine-game season in nine weeks with no room for COVID, and they were the only league in the world, not just – college football, but the world that tested their people every single day. I mean, you, you just think about the madness that went behind that 2020 season. Seems like yesterday, Sean. We were, seems like we were talking about every day back then, way back in 2020, and we both were kind of mystified by some of the decision-making. I think the Big Ten overestimated. They thought their impact uh, was going to have when they said they were going to cancel the season. Um, at least they were able to regather themselves and, and get together some type of a 2020 campaign. But you're right, boy. They remember there were protests to the Big Ten office by Big Ten parents uh, demanding to play on and on. And when, when well, they went to court. About going rogue. Yeah, Rats was talking about going rogue and playing the schedule. And oh, God, crazy. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's the kind of stuff you couldn't make up. Oh, God. Uh, all that theater played out in front of us. But, yeah, again, it seems like it was 100 years ago, and sometimes it seems like it was yesterday. But here we are. Everybody's glowing and in the Big Ten office now. That seems like ancient history with, with the future of the program now with this TV deal and, of course, with the expansion out west with the USC and UCLA. You know what they say, the money talks and the Big Ten. Oh, yeah. Um, all of a sudden, everyone's gotten a lot more quiet when they've seen what this deal is going to be. And you even sense, like, in the SEC world, I mean, they're probably a little jealous over there. I mean, they've got a good deal, um, but this is going to be the biggest deal ever put together, and now there's going to be pressure on ABC and ESPN to almost match this deal, and it will be a significant deal for them when Texas and Oklahoma come in that league as well. Oh, yeah, and then, of course, I guess two other winners, right? Big 12 and the Pac-12, or Pac-10, if you will, I guess, um, with ESPN seemingly now out of the Big 10. They're going to have some, I guess, money to spend, and, time slots to fill right yeah so, uh, not that not that our listeners care that much about the big 12 maybe yours guys do in the pac 10 but again in some ways I, i'm happy for those conferences i want to see them make it and i hope they can hammer out some type of a nice deal that does include a nice package from espn i still want to know like if the big 10 will add any more if notre dame says no or is the only way the big 10 continues to expand yeah. is if notre dame comes i mean that no one knows the answer to that but I think if Notre Dame comes, it paves the way for maybe three more teams to come with them. Yeah, that's a great question, Sean. I think that's a great observation. Will the Big Ten stand pat if it can't get Notre Dame, or is that the only trigger that will make them expand again? Um, again, like you said, no idea. 
I'll be honest with you, though, Sean. I mean, Notre Dame or no Notre Dame, it just seems to me if you're the Big Ten, it would make some sense to have a little bit more presence out west with USC and UCLA, maybe from a scheduling standpoint. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but it just would make some sense uh, to get a little bit more Western balance out there by adding a couple other schools uh, to give, like I said, some partners to those LA, LA schools. So it would be interesting to see. Of course, we all know Notre Dame holds the key. That's the, that's the great white whale that everybody wants. But, again, like you said, it will be interesting to see if the Big Ten still does expand even if it can't get Notre Dame. Yeah, if they were to add Washington and Oregon to this league, I don't know if anybody would say that's a bad idea. I mean, I think everybody would praise those additions um, for rightful reasons. The media markets, the, the tradition, the Nike money – you know, there's a lot of things. I think Cal and Stanford remain the wild card. They do bring the Bay Area to the Big Ten. Um, but I don't know if Stanford necessarily brings the Bay Area. I mean, they're, they're a different type of deal. And is anybody in Cal really or the, the Bay Area watching Cal? I mean, the, the, the numbers sure don't show that. So those are the ones that really mystify me. Um, but I could see Notre Dame and Stanford being a pair because of their scheduling history and the importance of the yeah. USC and the Stanford games for Notre Dame. So there is so much that intrigues me about this now, especially when the particulars of this TV deal get out there that I, if you're Kevin Swarbeck in Notre Dame, this is going to get your attention when you see these numbers. I don't know how it can, because there is no way Notre Dame on their own is going to be able to make that kind of money. No, no, there's not. And I think uh, that that could maybe raise their eyebrows, but I think, Notre Dame and everybody's also, Sean, waiting to see what the next incarnation of the playoff is going to be, right? It's all about getting access to the playoff. Will the, the next incarnation be eight teams, 12 teams, and how many at-large bursts will that include among those teams in the playoff? I think that's going to be key for Notre Dame. Uh, will that hasten their need to join a conference or not? So they've got some things to weigh themselves, but you're right. If they're just basing this on dollars and cents, of TV packages, there's no way I think they're going to be able to ever match anything with they would be able to get in the Big Ten. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk with Tom Deanhart from Golden Black, covers Purdue. Tom, had the Big Ten Network guys made their bus tour out to West Lafayette yet? Not yet. I think it's supposed to come here August 19th, I was told. They've been working out east lately at Rutgers and Maryland. Sean, I I saw you retweeted the note about Jerry Donardo saying Maryland was the best team they'd seen so far, or he had seen so far on the tour, which <laughs> didn't stop in Nebraska, right? Yeah. So uh, there's I a point on the. I don't know. I mean, you've been on this tour with those guys. There must be a point yeah. on the tour where Donardo starts drinking or something because <laughs> that, that's. I mean, I love I Jerry Donardo, but that is quite a hot take. It was. I mean, maybe that's what it was, Jerry. Yeah, you can have a little bit of hyperbole, but yeah, but yeah, that tour is chugging along. You know, they don't take the bus anymore. Um, they just take a van that's a very scaled down outfit now, I guess. COVID kind of remade it, made them rethink things. But again, yeah, they're making the rounds right now and and uh, you know, a lot of hyperbole always goes into those 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 tours. They want to hype up their products. So Maryland will be interesting, like I said. So we're looking forward, everybody's looking forward just to season starting here. We've We've been, we talk about all this off-season stuff, and it's fun. The, the, the rules changes, the conference expansion, the transfer portal, everything, TV contracts. But, again, football, actual real football is at our doorstep, and it's going to be fun watching this Big Ten West play out. How many years did you go on the, the bus tour when you were at the Big Ten Network? I did it for six years. It was, it was a lot of fun. 
And you and, um, every stop, you went on all, uh, I guess, yeah. four, it would have been 14, I guess, back then, right? <laughs> when I first started, it was still just the 12, and then they added Maryland or Rutgers in, like, 2014. But I've always said, so I've never seen you on. I, I, I usually see you. I, I always love Lincoln and uh, the Haymarket, and, and I got to see that kind of under construction there during the, during the early parts of the tour. So great stop. And uh, always just a, you, you love the passion that Nebraska fans always bring. I mean, it really matters. I wasn't around for this, but it was the closest thing to those old Big Eight Skyriders tours, where the media used to get to go around and go to all all eight schools in the Big Eight on a bus or a plane. They they literally you'd pay a certain amount of money and you got to go everywhere. And that for you, that was like the old Skyriders tour. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, Tom Chattel can probably tell you some stories about the old Big Eight Skyriders tour. Maybe Lee Barfneck too. Um, it's fun that those would. Can you imagine going on a plane with a bunch of guys? Oh my, Mike Dear, Mike Dearman had some great stories. I know from uh, Missouri, and I mean, and it would get wild. I mean, the coaches would go out with the media and play cards and drink, and I mean, it was they had some wild times um, on, on some of those trips. It sounded like a whole another era, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, it would have been a lot of fun to be part of those things. But yeah, you know, so BTN's rolling here, and uh, they got their TV shows and. Yeah, it's going to be fun. You guys going to going to Dublin, Ireland. I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch that game. It's a huge game. My goodness, that Northwestern Nebraska game for both programs. I mean, uh, what a table set. I was listening to some radio the other day talking about Nebraska and your guys' schedule. If you win that game, it's it's, it's, it's you guys got a chance to get up to a real good start, and you have a real tough November, if I remember right. So. Everybody likes a good start in Nebraska. Seems like it has a schedule that could help them. The thing about Nebraska, like nobody really knows about them right now. That that's the hard. If you're on the outside, I'm so. Yeah. I mean, I'm here on the front lines. I I've, I'm, I see the players and talk to them every day, and I don't have a great feel yet how it's going to go. So I, I think if you're a national person, this is one of the harder teams to project because they do have some pieces here right now, and they have a new offense and everything else. But nobody really, Tom knows what this is going to be. I mean, I think this season could be anywhere from six wins to nine wins. I mean, I, I really I really think they're going to get to six without a problem. I, uh, if they don't, I'll be extremely disappointed. Uh, but I, I think they – I mean, if it peaks right, they could get to eight or nine wins. Yeah, it's uh, – what, what you told me, 15 transfers and like two or three junior college kids too? Yeah, 15 scholarship uh, transfers. There's been a few other transfers like walk-ons too. Um, so, like, it's it's an unbelievable amount of transfers they've brought in. Yeah, it's like Nebraska and USC have to be right at the top of the, in the country as far as transfers go and whatnot. So, yeah, with that many new moving parts, it's hard for anybody to know. That's when you'd love to have a couple exhibition games, right? Sort your, your roster out and see what you really have. But, of course, we all know college football, you jump right into the, the real live games that count. So, yeah, they are definitely uh, an interesting team, uh, an unknown, like you said, Sean, with a coach with something to prove what they redid. The offensive staff, they have Mark Whipple now calling plays. So, and you know, again, it's uh, <laughs> one of the more fascinating programs that everybody's going to be watching this year to see what Scott Frost can do and can, can finally flip the script there and get a winning season in the bowl game. Well, Tom, I'm heading out to Dublin here in about a week. I'll make sure if I don't talk to you before then uh, to, to pour a few Guinnesses out in your in your honor. <laughs> well, I'm jealous. Uh, you know, West Lafayette's not Dublin, so. <laughs> You got the advantage on enjoy. You burned it. The fans will have a lot of fun. It's going to be a great memory for for everybody to get a chance to make that trip. You tell your AD Bobinski uh, out there if he's interested, 
I, I got a connection to the game organizers. They're looking. They're always looking for Big Ten teams that want to <laughs> go out to Dublin. So if you want to, if you want to get on the train to get a Purdue game scheduled to Dublin, <laughs> tell Bobinski uh, it, it's his game to have. I, I just may do that. I can always go for a free trip to Ireland, buddy. Sure, he's always getting a free trip to like Champaign, Illinois. <laughs> All right, Tom. Well, best of luck as you guys uh, work your way through fall camp. We appreciate you taking some time here on the Husker Online Show. Thanks for having me, buddy. We'll be talking. All right, much more to come. We're going to be joined by former Husker offensive lineman Kyle Cole Morgan next. He was at the scrimmage on Saturday. He's also dropping a new podcast. I was a part of it. We'll talk to Kyle about the scrimmage and his podcast next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Thanks again to Tom Deanhart from Golden Black joining me in my last segment. Great insight on the Big Ten multimedia rights deal as well as uh, the upcoming Big Ten football season. But uh, pleased to bring on our next guest, um, a guy that... Um, technically, I went to college with. I don't know if we really knew each other in college, but uh, former Husker offensive lineman Kyle Cole Morgan, uh, Lincoln Southeast Knight. Um, what year, Kyle? What years again were you? What were your final years that you started on the line and played in Nebraska? Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, you're right. We did go to college together, but we didn't know each other. Um, but good years at Nebraska. There, I was at Lincoln Southeast from '94 to '98. Seven, and then I was down there at the U from 97 through 01. I've always referenced it as the Orange Bowl to the Rose Bowl, winning a title, losing a title. So good years, but fun times. Uh, hopefully hopefully the big red machine can get back to its glory days, right? Well, no, no doubt. And uh, you, you lived it and, and, and were, were with it all, you know, all the way back then. But I want to, before we get into talking ball on this season, I do want to bring you, bring up the new podcast that you've put out. I came on as a guest with you. Um, tell everybody about your new podcast uh, because you're, you're pretty unfiltered. Sure. You're pretty unfiltered and, you know, there, there aren't a lot of like local Husker player podcasts <laughs> like yours. So um, yeah, let, yeah, let yeah, everyone yeah. know you where know, they so, can find it. Yeah. So it's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's on Amazon. It's, you can find it's beyond the turf. It's me and a good buddy from back in the day, Jesse Bergman. Uh, we call it beyond the turf hosted by JB and Cole. Um, it is a little unfiltered. It's kind of funny. You know, my mom listened to it for the first time and she's like, Kyle, I love the content, but maybe just 
maybe not like you know, maybe clean it up a little bit. It's like, well, you can say what you want to say, mom. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we have it. We're having a good time. It's it's us kind of telling stories from back in the day and getting guys on for interviews. Just and the the whole concept beyond of beyond the turf is, hey, we really want to interview some of these sports figures, maybe current or former coaches, athletes, and not so much of we want to talk football and X's and O's. It's like, hey. Tell us, give us some insight of behind the curtain. What was the locker room like? What was, what's your playlist before you hit the football field? What, uh, so we had you on. We loved the interview. We actually dropped it two days ago. Uh, get trend, getting real good trends, but you gave some great insight into NIL and new Husker media markets. And it was a, I, bunch of my buddies listened to it and they're like, Kyle, this is fascinating stuff. And I was like, well, Sean's not that fascinating, but. Yeah, you're, you're the fascinating. <laughs> no, and, and I, I truly mean this. You've got a good on-air – a lot of guys, when they get on air, they don't know how to have a personality. It's kind of fake. Like, the, you, 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 your real-life personality is like your on-air personality, <laughs> which I think it, it's it's easier said yeah, than done. That, that, uh, that, that might scare some people, but I guess, thank you, that might be a backhanded compliment, Sean. <laughs> well, no, I, I don't want uh, the canned fake stuff, you know. I, I want the real, and, right. and, and you're you're real. That's why I brought you on because, you know, I know you're going to give a good yeah. insight about w- talking about the season, and, and that's where I want to go to next, Kyle. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, yeah. you're very close to the program. I mean, you've got good yeah, relationships. Still am, yeah. In, in, the, in the program and living in Lincoln, uh, know a lot of the staff members. You play to Scott Frost. I mean, when you look at yeah. this season, like what is your big picture take on Nebraska football going into the season? For sure, for sure. Uh, the big picture is, you know, I, I, we and we all know it. The big picture is he's got to win, and you know, it's a it's the story from Solich's second year when I was there. I think we went nine and four and everybody was groaning a little bit. It's like winning solves everything. And the next year, I think we went 12-1. and one. So um, winning solves everything. I do believe it's Scott's best roster. There's a lot of talent down there, Sean. Um, that quarterback room, I, tr- I truthfully believe we're three deep. Um, and I, I hope we don't have tunnel vision. Um, I hope if – the balls, uh, if the ball, if the chains aren't moving and the ball's not moving downfield, I hope that they don't get, you know, just tunnel vision and stuck on a guy because we've got that's a deep room and they're smart, they're experienced. So, I and college football's kind of going to the NFL. It's all starts and stops with your QB play and turnovers and protecting the football, right? No doubt. And, you know, Kyle, what did you, you know, Casey Thompson came in in the spring, was a little rusty, had this thumb issue, had the surgery, and he's getting pretty good reviews out of camp to the point where Scott Frost complimented him as much as we heard this past week. What have you seen or what did you see out of Casey Thompson? What do you like about what you've seen from him thus far uh, when you were able to kind of get a glimpse of practice? Yeah, he throws a good ball. He protects the football great leadership skills, commands the field. Um, that was a lot of what I seen, saw. You could, uh, you, could, you could see it was his team and his offense. Uh, with that said, per- Purdy and Smothers are right there. There's not – I mean, we saw, we saw Smothers come in at the end of last season and have a great football game. So 
I don't think there's a big drop off there. And uh, Purdy, Purdy's a highly capable. I mean, we brought him in from Florida State, and I, there's not a. Again, I think our quarterback room's really good. The running back room seems strong too. When I mean, you look at Anthony Grant, who kind of was a late take, but that might be as important of a take as they've taken uh, added to this roster. Yeah, yeah, I think. The running back room, the running back room, solid. The there's some shining stars in the wide receiver room. And you see, you see the coaches talk about this stuff in the in the afterthought in their after practice pressers. But the running back room thick and deep. The quarterback room is thick and deep. Um, offensive line, I think. You know, they're young. Good grief! I went, I went and watched and. Then at the end, I went back to I went back and I looked at that roster. Man, they're so young. It's like, you know, Teddy's a freshman, Cochran's a sophomore, so Ben Hart's a junior, I think. They're they're just really young, and I think that uh, presents challenges. If we can get through the first three games, um, I think uh, I think we'll be just fine. But it's going to take a few games to gel, right? When I think, Kyle, when you talk about this offensive line, and we're talking to former Husker offensive lineman Kyle Colmorgan, he was on the Rose Bowl team in 2001 and then played with Eric Crouch on, on those great teams with Frank Solich. Um, when you look at the offensive line, Kyle, a year ago they opened with a conference game against Illinois, and we kind of saw how not ready they were for a conference game uh-huh. week one. Um, I remember yeah. you guys opened with TCU in 01. I mean, they weren't a Power 5 team, but it's when you open against a – a quality opponent versus you know a lower tier team yeah. It, it yeah. it's a different type of level that you got to be ready for right away oh and then and then stack a 10-hour flight to ireland on top of it and a 10-hour flight on the way home it it's going to be challenge i think they i think the coaches recognize the importance of that northwestern football game and they're not leaving any stone unturned and while Northwestern and Nebraska has had a give-and-take series since Coach Frost and company joined the Big Ten, this is not a great Northwestern football team. I mean, their their roster's not great. I mean, you know Coach Fitzgerald's going to have them ready to go, but um, I don't – we should be able to get take care of business there. If we do that, we come back and we play a couple – a couple games where we should be able to get our sea legs under us, and then, then um, then a fist fight with OU, and that'll be fun. That'll be fun to watch. Yeah, and when you look at Oklahoma or not Oklahoma, but Northwestern, I think it's pretty simple what they're going to try to do. They got the best left tackle in college football, and they have they have an All Big Ten level running back that missed last year, Cam Porter. They're going to try to grind this thing out and limit possessions, and I, I think slow it down. I mean, they, they're not built yeah. to to make this a track meet. I can tell you this, it's going to be a fun matchup watching our rush ends versus their left tackle because I think I think our if you go on our two deep at rush end, I think we could have some of the best in the Big 10. That Ochon pickup, he is the real deal. I mean, he he reminds me of a Randy Gregory type, lightning quick, explosive, fast. Um he might even be a little bit bigger than Randy Gregory was. And then you have truly your team leader, Garrett Nelson, who just, I think the guy idles at 250. I mean, he idles at 250 miles an hour. 
I mean, he is. I remember when I played, it was with Carlos Polk and Mike Brown and those guys, they were the straw in the drink and they amped up every practice and took every practice to another level. So I think it could be a real fun matchup watching our rush ends versus, versus uh, their all-American tackles. So yeah, and that was, that was your first look at O'Shawn Mathis. You're a football guy that's been around it your whole life. How long did it take for you to identify that he was a dude? Uh, it was probably like third, the third rep. I was like, okay, this guy, he's playing at another level, Sean. <laughs> it's, uh, but he compliments Garrett Nelson. I mean, these two, I think they're going to give people fits. I'm excited. What did you think um, of De- uh, Stefan Wynn, the Alabama transfer they brought in? Do you think he's got a chance to give them some quality reps right away too? Oh, I think so, yeah. I think they're going to roll quite a few inside. I mean, I, I guess I don't know that, but it seemed to me like they were. there's a lot of bodies that they can plug in. Um, should be good. I want to get back on that offensive line. Um, you know, you played with Dominic Riola, and his brother Donovan yep. is now the coach. What have you seen from Donovan – what kind of challenge does he have in front of him? Because, you know, you look at last year's offensive line play, it was, in terms of the metrics, one of the worst years we've seen ever in the program's history in terms of pressures and sacks allowed. And, you know, three straight yeah. years without a 1,000-yard running back or rusher period. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of issues there that have to get addressed. I mean, what kind of – why do you think, when you look at Riola, why is he the guy that's going to get this going? You know, he coaches at a high level of intensity. He's – you know, he is he's going he's going back to the roots that we were coached with a little bit of Milt Teneper style. Um, very uh, more aggressive, um, more coming off the ball, um, rather than kind of a wait and see block scheme that uh, more NFL blocking, which is what uh, Coach Austin did. So they're totally different styles. I think the biggest challenge is the youth. Again, that's a young group. Um, I think Again, if we can get our sea legs under us after the first couple two three games, we're going to be in a solid spot for the next eight. But we just got to get our legs under us, you know. When you look at like the zone blocking and kind of what we were doing last year with Greg Austin, um, why is it that younger linemen struggle maybe picking that up? I mean, it just seems like that concept they just don't look as aggressive for whatever odd reason in that style of line play, and hopefully that changes this year. Well, I think I'm not necessarily sure it has to do with um, them picking up the concept because zone blocking it within its core is very simple. It's not a it's not a complicated it's not a complicated concept. I think it has more to do with the first step, second step, third step of what you're going to do on the field and what you're going to try to accomplish doing. And Austin. Coach Austin and Coach Riola, they have totally different approaches. So I don't think it's so much um, a concept that's hard to pick up. I think it's the actual coaching that was being taught. As personally. We, as we wrap it up here with Kyle Cole Morgan, former Husker offensive lineman, I do got to um, give you some props here, Kyle, because every year, I think, I don't know how many years in a row we've had this bet on the win totals. <laughs> and. Right. It, it's kind of yeah. it's kind of started out as a six pack, and then it turned into double or nothing. Now we're, I think we're now on like a bottle of Johnny Walker because I'm down on you so many so many seasons in a row. Yeah. I, well, you know, I, I I've got a 
I, and that that probably doesn't say much because I think I've always probably taken the unders. But if we're putting it out there this year, I'm going to take the overs on it. I, so you're, I you're over that, seven and a half. The over seven and a half, I'm taking eight. You're taking eight, I, okay. I would go with – I would take eight wins. I, I'm putting that out there, putting it on your radio, putting it on your – Put it on your spots. I like eight wins. I think the roster lines up, our schedule lines up, the coaches are doing a great job. The athletes have bought in. So, yeah. Hey, yeah. Well, I think if they beat Northwestern, they get to eight for sure. I really do. I think it. I think it, it lays itself out at that point because if this place can get three and zero and taste three and zero, this city, this state, these players have never felt that before. They have no idea no, no. how nuts this place will be for Oklahoma if this team's 3-0. They have no idea. Sean, if we're 3-0, and Vegas is going to have us favored or even. Think, put that, think about that. It's three points right now. Especially if, if OU North struggles. Western, take, go ahead, sorry. Especially if OU struggles early. Nobody really knows what they're going to look like, and they just – you know, parted ways or their receivers uh, coach just resigned. So there, there's a lot of questions yep. about OU. We don't know. Big time, big time. Yeah, if we take care of Northwestern, we're going in 3-0. and It's either going to be even or we're going to be favored. I've got a big old side bet with a group. It's like this. It started off as a friendly steak dinner, and then it escalated into like a steak dinner up at Chop House in Omaha with an eight group. It's like, whoa, this escalated way too quickly, but – I think uh, I still like I still like us getting out three and zero, and if we're three and zero, it's going to be a it's going to be a pick 'em game against Oklahoma. Well, and what I remember uh, about that game in Norman last year, the media people from OU I know, I've known for years said like OU is not used to the the physical style of player in the Big Ten, and the size and physicality of Nebraska, you know, was different for Oklahoma. And whenever that game, however it looks, Nebraska's got to take advantage of that in this game in Lincoln. Well, and, you know, honestly, Sean, we are now finally a team, a Big Ten team like that. Three years ago, we weren't. Even last year, you can say, yeah, we were, but we're more so this year. So we're continuing to evolve into what you just talked about. So, I mean, I think I think it's there, and I, I think it could be our coming out party. Gets me excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting looking out the window right now from my office of the rail yard Haymarket area, just thinking about what it could be like down there if somehow they pulled that upset off. It'd be a special night. And oh, yeah, well, that's for sure. Well, let's hope we get there. Hey, Kyle, appreciate you taking the time once again. Uh, check out Kyle Cole Morgan's podcast. I was on it this week. Um, phenomenal, fun. It was a great cut. Beyond the turf, beyond the turf. You can find it on Apple. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on all of them. So check it out. Sean, really appreciate you having me on. Go Big Red. All right. Kyle Cole Morgan from Beyond the Turf Podcast. Much more to come. I'll take your questions in the mailbag next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment of the Husker Online show. Thanks again to Kyle Cole Morgan in that last segment. A lot of fun talking to Kyle. Um, love talking to former players that know what's going on and are honest with their takes. And Kyle was both of those. And also thanks again to Tom Deanhart. Uh, great takes, great opinions from Tom as well on the future of things with the Big Ten and the media rights deal. But going to close the show uh, with the mailbag segment here. Um, got a lot of questions again um, this week. Over 20 questions piled in in the mailbag. Um, Rick Pfeiffer wants to know, are you drinking the Kool-Aid this year? If so, what's different this year? Well, I'll say this, Rick. It's different every year. You know, last year, I think everyone thinks we drink the Kool-Aid every year. I think last year, most of us were like, look, they can get to six wins, maybe seven with that schedule. And they should have. They really should have. And we know what happened last year. Nebraska had a tough schedule. They lost a lot of close games. Arguably the toughest schedule we've seen in years. Eight opponents with nine or more wins. The difference to me this year is the schedule. Nebraska, in their first nine games, only plays one team with a Vegas over-under higher than seven and a half. That's Oklahoma. Nebraska has a higher over-under win total than their other eight opponents in their first nine games. Does that mean they're going to go eight and one? No, but they have a real chance to do something early in this year, and they've got to win at Northwestern, and I think I've said the same thing over and over again. If you're going to drink the Kool-Aid, that's why you're drinking the Kool-Aid, because there's an actual path here that you can get this thing done. You've got Northwestern, Georgia Southern, and North Dakota. Oklahoma and Lincoln with a lot of new 15 new starters. You go to Rutgers. You've got Illinois. You've got favorable games early on to figure this out. That's why if you're drinking the Kool-Aid, that's why you're doing it. And, you know, you're optimistic because Nebraska is not going to be really a big underdog. They're not going to be outmanned in terms of talent in very many of those first nine games. All right. Next question is from Wyatt H. What position group are you impressed with so far? Like the D-line, linebackers, etc. I like that entire defensive front right now. I think the edge position is going to be really good. I think they're going to get to quarterbacks with four-man rushes. Um, that is a group that excites me this year. I think the inside linebackers will be a good group. Um, in general, I think the defensive line. The entire front seven. I'm very intrigued about the secondary. I think Tommy Hill has a chance to be good. The defense, to me, is put together. They've got parts Eric Chenander in his fifth year now as the coordinator at Nebraska. Fifth year, Travis Fisher is a secondary coach. Barrett Root in his fifth year. Mike Dawson's been here, I believe, was a four now. So they've got a group of guys that know the way and have been here, and that makes a difference. All right, JR wants to know, when we all watched Nebraska practice from Mo Washington a few years back, we knew you special. Do you see that separation in any of the running backs now? You know, I've heard a lot of positive things, Jr. about Anthony Grant. Not saying he's Mo Washington, but I know he's had 40, 50-yard runs in practice. With that said, Maurice Washington was a special talent. The guy didn't like to practice. The guy didn't want to lift weights. The guy wanted to eat Chick-fil-A over the trading table, but he was a special talent. And that was the scary thing, um, that he was that good without doing anything. I mean, he could just show up to practice and bust out 70-yard runs. But the problem is it all catches up to you, and, and things caught up with Maurice. He's at Grambling now. I'm really intrigued, but I'm intrigued about Anthony Grant. So let's hold on that one. Husker Nation 540, are any of the young defensive linemen stepping up? 
you know, definition of young is hard to say. Blaze Gunnerson, uh, I'll put him in that category on the edge. That's a guy I don't see really any of the bigger defensive linemen like the Ruquan Buckleys of the world. I don't see any of those guys, at least right now, in the mix. So if I'm going to go with one, it's Blaze Gunnerson, then Jamari Butler would probably be there as well. Uh, Marcus Fairhead wants to know, explain to me like I'm five how TV network deals work with the Power Five conferences. Okay, well, it's all about inventory. It's all about three-letter networks. If your league can offer good inventory, games that draw ratings, a la Michigan, Ohio State, a la Nebraska, Iowa. I mean, games that, that pull a number. And somebody probably snuckled when I stickered when I said Nebraska, Iowa. Well, it's the most watched game in the Big Ten Network's history the last two years in a row. Um, but if you have inventory, and the Big Ten is adding more inventory with USC and UCLA, you are attractive for the networks. Well, this new Big Ten deal is going to include Fox. It's going to include NBC. It's going to include CBS. It's going to have three three-letter networks on the net, on the deal. So that are those are games that will automatically pull more ratings. And if you're on a three-letter network, you get a bigger number, period. You know, you're you're going to pull a bigger number than ESPN, ESPN2, FS1. Well, the Big 10 is going to have three prime three-letter network games a week, at least that we know of. Maybe they could have four. I don't know um, the particulars. If Fox can air another one, um, if they want to, how that will work. Um, But that's what it's all about. The more three-letter networks involved, higher ratings, more money, the Big Ten has a collection of teams in media markets with alumni bases that pull high numbers that draw eyeballs, and even Nebraska. That's why Nebraska is where they're at right now. You look at the U.S. World News Report academics, Nebraska is far and away the lowest academic school in the Big Ten. They're 50 spots below the next lowest team, which I believe might be Rutgers, if I'm not mistaken, or Indiana or somebody like that. But Nebraska is way down the line. The reason they're in the Big Ten, they still pull numbers. Uh, Nebraska, it's, I think it's mind-boggling to people how high the ratings still are for Nebraska, considering what their record was a year ago. Um, but they're still one of the 10 to 15 most watched brands in college football in terms of total people watching in the country. And that's why they're attractive in this thing as well. Uh, Ryan, as we take questions in the mailbag, Ryan wants to know, what are the top two things that you think are holding and will hold this team back right now and or this upcoming season? How can they fix these issues? Offensive line, number one. If they can't protect Casey Thompson, He's not built to, to take the beating Adrian Martinez took. I mean, very few quarterbacks are. So they got to protect Casey Thompson. They got to show me that they can do that. They got to show me that Teddy Prohaska's back. Bryce Benhart's a right tackle. Turner Corker can play left guard. If they can't protect simple three-step drops in this offense, they're going to have a hard time. So that's one thing that worries me right now when I look at it today. Um, can they do that? Um, and, you know, just in general, I think if – one thing goes bad this year, it could turn quickly in the state. And how will these players and coaches handle that? Especially with the shadow of Trev Alberts kind of, you know, knowing what's on the line for Coach Frost and his staff. um, There's a lot of pressure on everyone right now. So that's the other thing that could really, you know, turn this season or hold it back is if something goes wrong, it could go downhill quickly. All right, Colby, after 12 practices, what has been your biggest takeaway and what has been your biggest surprise, good or bad? Biggest takeaway, they can get to quarterbacks. They've got the guys today, and you heard Kyle Cole Morgan say it before. They're going to get to quarterbacks this year. Casey Tom, or um, 
um, O'Shawn Mathis, Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, they will get to quarterbacks. Uh, as far as my biggest surprise, um, man, there's a lot of things. I mean, it's such a broad question uh, that you can go with. I wouldn't say Anthony Grant's a surprise. I'll tell you what, Tommy Hill, I knew he was good, but to hear Travis Fisher say that if he plays to his potential, that his name could be on this building in some capacity someday, that was a surprise because Travis Fisher just doesn't say things like that very often. All right, Rob S. Fitness, a great mailbag guy. Rob, you ask questions every week. Appreciate it, my friend. Um, wants to know, after a few weeks of camp, are you more or less confident in this team winning at least seven, eight games? I'll say it again. I'll, I said it with Kyle. If Nebraska figures out a way to beat Northwestern and they're favored to win that game, Nebraska wins more than seven games. I think they're seven, eight wins if they beat Northwestern. I really believe so. What's going on with the coldest Crawford? That's from Hank. We know he got hurt. I believe it was Saturday. That's all we know right now. No updates on to coldest. Uh, we don't talk to Coach Frost till Saturday. So we'll see. And Coach Frost is not usually great on injury information. So we'll see what we'll learn there from Coach Frost. East Texas Crav Maga wants to know, the Scott Frost era hasn't had a three-game win streak ever. That's a good stat right there. Yes, you're right. Especially starting the season on a good note. Do you think this team with the momentum has the ability to take out OU? What does the loss of Kale Gundy do to hurt OU as a program in their wide receiver core? I don't know if it just hurts OU. It's just drama. Nobody wants drama in their program. Losing a coach in the middle of training camp for something that he did, you know, that, that's going to cause friction. New staff, longtime guy removed from the staff for that issue. Yeah, that, that's an issue. Um, but, yeah, I think a three-game win streak, nobody even really realizes what a three-game win streak would do here. If they beat Northwestern, those two home games for North Dakota and Georgia Southern will be great home games. There'll be a lot of people down here. It's a 2.30 game and a night game. It's going to be awesome. And then they have Oklahoma for big noon on Fox. If they're 3-0 going into that game, this town's going to be nuts. We are not. We haven't seen it like this in a while. So, yeah, 3-0. I, I want these players to understand and taste what 3-0 would feel like because it would be a really different feeling than we've seen here in a long time if Nebraska could get to a solid 3-0 record going into Oklahoma. Uh, Nebraska football, Husker Nation for 540. How is the defense going to hold up against the run? It seems like they play mostly passing rush DNs and they're not stopping the run. Well, it's a multiple scheme. They're going to put guys in lots of different positions in this defense. They can play heavy. They can play light. Um, they've got speed on the edge. I think they've got a lot of versatility with this scheme and, and, and what they have in there. All right. Thad Crocker, what is Jerry DiNardo smoking? <laughs> I joked with Tom Dinart, was Jerry drinking on the bus tour? Uh, but, you know, to be fair, and I was on with KFAB, we talked about that this uh, week as well with Jim Rose and Gary Saddlemeyer, uh, when Maryland, Jerry DiNardo said, had more talent than Nebraska, Northwestern, Illinois, Rutgers. Well, look, Mike Loxley's a great recruiter. He's always recruited well. They're around good players. He's brought good players to Maryland. If anything, it is more a reality of what the Big Ten is. It's a good league. Maryland's good. Rutgers has players. I mean, the former head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is the coach of Rutgers. There are no Saturdays off. The margin for error is very little. And as Trev Alberts likes to say, the details matter. And that's that's the difference for Nebraska. Um, final question. I got a high school question here from Randall T-Bone Johnson. 
Number one, do you think Bellevue West will win more than five games this year? Come on, man. Yes. A, Coach Huffman would kill me if I said anything less, but uh, Bellevue West is a program. I mean, they, they are more than likely going to be an 8-1, and 9-0 and regular season team more often than not. They're set up to be that good again. And then finally, where does their recruiting class rank with prior years? Do you have inside information on who will be the Gretna Dragons um, illegal football player this year? Ask Mitch Sherman. He may know. Okay, come on. I enjoy the questions, but I'm looking forward to sidetrack your kind of fun troll rant there. I'm looking forward to Class A football this year. It's going to be a phenomenal year. Bellevue West, Creighton Prep, West Side. Uh, then you've got, obviously, Gretna, the defending champions. Um, it is loaded. I mean, there are four or five teams in Class A right now that could win this thing, and they all have a claim. That week zero game next Friday night, Bellevue West will take on Creighton Prep. My old coach at Omaha Gross, Tim Yonk, the coach of Prep, uh, against Mike Huffman, longtime friend of mine. I'm really looking forward to that game. Um, and, guys, we're so much closer to kickoff now. I'm looking forward to getting a double in Ireland. Uh, but thanks again to Tom Deanhart uh, for joining me on the show, as well as Kyle Colmorgan. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 